0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. So glad you're joining us today, and thank you for all the engagement, the readership that you do on our great news site, Just the News. We've got you covered 24-7, and today we got you covered with two big interviews. Two interviews are going to really make you think. We're going to be thinking global, going to be thinking security at home. Joining us today... One of the great conservative voices anywhere in the globe, and of course, the architect of the Brexit movement in Great Britain, Nigel Farage is with us. Oh, we have a lot to talk about. Boris Johnson in a little bit of trouble, maybe a lot of trouble in Great Britain. Our conservatives and the general populace, tiring of his restrictions on COVID while he partied at night. Sounds like he may, we're gonna ask Nigel about that. And also we're gonna give Nigel the American looking glass. He's gonna make us look at ourselves and say, how does the rest of the world look at the United States right now on Joe Biden's watch? I wanna ask that question, that's gonna be a fun one. And then we've got an amazing member of Congress, Austin Scott here to talk about things. We are closely watching, all of us are closely watching the events in Eastern Europe between Russia and Ukraine, Russia and Kosovo instability concern heartburn president biden had a very difficult day yesterday in his press conference he suggested maybe a minor incursion by russia wouldn't be all that bad today the ukraine foreign minister went nuts at that saying that was the wrong signal to say and joe biden the american president had to grovel and come out with his white house and say oh i didn't mean that any incursion any invasion is bad sorry about that The bad messaging, the bad foreign policy, the FUPAs that continue to occur in the Biden administration and foreign policy are devastating. And we're going to ask Congressman Austin Scott about that. Some very important developments. Eastern Europe is a tinderbox right now. Most of the people I'm talking to, they're split. Some think an invasion is likely. Some think it's unlikely that the saber rattling is really what Putin wants to accomplish. But whatever the case is, none of us, none of us can be comfortable with the scenario we're in. And remember, for four years, despite all the Russia collusion allegations, all the bogus stuff that came out, we didn't have these sort of problems with Russia during the Donald Trump years. I think that that is pretty significantly provable from the the historical record that we now have. That's pretty, pretty interesting. Now, we got two great interviews. I want to get to those right away. Nigel Farage, Congressman Austin Scott. We're going to get to them in just a second. But before we do... I want to take a 30-second step back on a couple of stories that we had this morning on the website. I think they were really important when it comes to election integrity. First off, Joe Biden and his federalization of election laws, it failed last night, late last night. If you were on Just the News, you saw it in real time because we had several breaking news alerts. First, they failed to pass the legislation, then they failed to pass the filibuster, and yes, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema did what they said they were going to do. They held the line, they rejected the filibuster, and as a result, the federalization of elections that Democrats and Joe Biden wanted to take is dead in the water right now. Now, as we step back from that, that doesn't mean that the challenges in our American society about elections are resolved. I'm going to give you one sign of that. There's a new poll out today from Scott Rasmussen, my good friend and one of the great pollsters in America respected by all sides of the political aisle and here's what it found more voters 61% believe that former President Donald Trump was legitimately elected in 2016 than those that believe President Biden only 57% was legitimately elected in 2020 now here's the thing about that 61 and 57%, not that much difference. Neither one of them are something I'd go home and be bragging to my family about. 40, 43, 39 to 43% of Americans don't believe the last two presidential election results. That has to change for our constitutional republic and our democracy to thrive and get back and create trust. Yes, more people are voting, more people are registering. But more people are distrusting the outcome. That can't be good. Even if there were no problems in the elections, which we now know isn't true, we can't have this sentiment. It is corrosive to the long-term stability of this great democracy, the greatest constitutional republic the world has ever created. We can fix this, folks. This is not rocket science. And this debate about election integrity can't end with the killing of this bill yesterday. There still has to be those elements to beat back efforts at cheating and improve ways to make it easier for people to vote without making it easy to cheat. That is the real goal. Easier to vote, hard to cheat. I say it all the time, but it has to be. It has to be. Continue. The march towards better election integrity has only begun. It's been happenstance. It has not been complete. And all of those, Democrats, Republicans, and Independents, they have an obligation to fix those polling numbers. It's not okay that 40% of Americans don't believe the last outcome of the last two elections. We can't function that way long-term. We've got to get a grip on that. And I really want to point that out. It's, to me, the most remarkable of a series of polls that we've seen on this issue. We've been talking about that a lot. On the cancer culture front, Greg Piper, does a great job for us we've had him on the show you know what he does hey he has an incredible story about what I think is the nuclear option of cancer culture for doctors and an unbelievable tale of a doctor in Maine who's been suspended in order to go undergo a neuropsychological evaluation because some of the claims this doctor has made actually match those by mainstream scientists but Maine doesn't like him and the regulators there are punishing this doctor. Question for you and I is, is this a bridge too far? Read the story, make up your own mind. And finally, we talked about, and we covered this in real time all through the weekend. We had breaking news alerts day and night, way into the wee hours of the morning, Sunday, the horrible incident at the synagogue in the Dallas area. A man taking hostage, Rao rabbi and three of his congregation members demanding that one of the most hideous terrorists in American history, the most famous Al-Qaeda female in American history, a woman named Siddiqui, be freed from prison. That was that man's Goal, his intention. And there are big questions how he got into the country. He has a 20 year red flag on him about extremism in Britain. And somehow, despite those red flags, beside the multiple security concerns about this man, he walks into the airport in New York and gets into this country. Somebody has some explaining to do. Ron Johnson, Chuck Grassley, some of the House members asking that question. But in the meantime, we. Have another question. There is more than just this man calling for the release of Siddiqui, the woman a lot of people call the Lady Al-Qaeda. There are several mainstream Islamic groups that have been arguing for her release, portraying her as a political prisoner. Now listen, she's convicted of grabbing arms and trying to kill some of our soldiers. Her rhetoric talked about horrific terror attacks on America, I think history shows that this was an extremist properly convicted in, in prison. But there are these groups, many of them in America, arguing for her release. And where do they get their support from? Well, according to my good colleague here in Washington, here at Just the News, Nick Ballasin, people like members of the squad in Congress. Yep. Congresswoman Talib, Congresswoman Omar. They have participated in events and supported groups that are backing the call to get Ifa Siddiqui, Lady Al-Qaeda, released from prison. When you step back and under, how does a guy radicalize, get into a synagogue and do what he does? Well, you have to wind it back to the groups calling for this woman's release and also to the Congress people who give legitimacy to these groups and these arguments. Great story by my colleague Nick Ballacy. Check those out on Just the News. All right, folks. We are going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to start with Nigel Farage, one of the great conservative minds in all of the world, the architect of Brexit. He has a lot to say about Boris Johnson and his tough scandal in Britain and about our own president, Joe Biden, and how the world views the greatest democracy, America, right now, the superpower that America is. Does it still have that shining gleam on it? It doesn't sound like it, but we'll ask Nigel Farage. And then Congressman Austin Scott, two great interviews. You're going to learn a lot. Join us in just a second. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Hey, folks, have you heard of cancer fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day.
1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Joining me right now, one of the most respected voices in conservatism all across the world, the architect of the Brexit movement in Great Britain, and the only man in British history to win two national elections with two different parties. Joining me right now, Nigel Farage. Nigel, great to have you on.
2: John, a pleasure to be back on with you. It really is.
0: It's an honor. I want to ask you about this. You have so much going on in your country. You've got Boris Johnson and the, and the COVID scandals. And then you have a member of parliament today who switched parties without going through the process he always deemed to be the correct process, which is let the voters decide you're thinking about the state of politics in Great Britain.
2: Well, you see, Brexit was this amazing moment when the ordinary people, the ordinary men and women of the country rose up peacefully against their establishment and said, you're taking us in the wrong direction. We want to turn around by 180 degrees. And, okay, we voted for it. They tried to stop it, keep them again, and the hope was, in getting our independence back from Europe, in becoming a self governing nation again, uh, in doing all these things, the hope was that a new kind of politics right. would emerge sadly i regret to say i had two burning ambitions over 25 years the first was i wanted to get the independence of our nation back and the second was i wanted to change politics for good i wanted to change the political culture well i won the first part of the battle right uh, the second part of the bat the second part of the battle is still work in progress <laughs> the last 24 hours shows that right yeah well it does i mean when you get elected I mean this man got elected. The man we're talking about, a chap called Christian Wakeford. Right. He got elected. He got elected in the north of England in an old Labour socialist constituency, but a constituency that had voted for Brexit. All right? Working class Britain voting for Brexit and the Labour Party couldn't accept Brexit. And they voted him in on a Conservative ticket. And because the Conservative Party are now struggling. You know, to try and save his own career, he switched sides to Labour. Well, I can tell you that in the last 30 years of British politics, there have been 23 people who have changed sides, right? And only two of them have put themselves forward to the electorate simultaneously to ask for a vindication of their decision. And I can tell you that both of them were UKIP, both of them, when I led the party, were conservative MPs who switched to UKIP. And I said, guys, if you're gonna join me in the House of Commons as UKIP, I insist you put yourself up before the public. And they both did, and they both won. And and I you know, I really hope, John, that in doing this, I brought a new standard to public life. Yeah. But uh, as I say, sadly, it's still work in progress.
0: Yeah, that, that, cold, that message that was sent by the populace has still got to seep in a little bit more. Um, Boris Johnson has been the face of that hard lockdown COVID strategy and now the face of do what i say not what i do uh, how big of trouble is he in with his uh, the latest scandal and his sort of hypocrisy on covid lockdowns
2: I remember back in 1999 which seems like a long time ago now right uh, my first the first day that i was elected as a member a member of the European Parliament and I was one of the first lessons I was taught by somebody who was much older than me, was that lawmakers cannot ever be seen to be lawbreakers. If you're the ones setting the rules by which the rest of the population has to abide, you cannot shirk those rules yourself uh, because you know you are responsible. Of course. For, and this is Boris's problem. Boris's problem. Boris' personality problem is that he's a cheerleader, not a leader. He's very, very good. You know, rather like, rather like getting up before a football game and you know waving yeah. around and getting the and getting the crowd cheering and making everybody happy and hey, we're going to win and it's going to be great. He's really good at all of that. <clears throat> but when it comes to being a leader, he doesn't always lead by example. And he's allowed, Number Ten Downing Street, you know, our sort of equivalent of the White House. He's allowed that uh, since he's become prime minister to become rather like a university drinking den. <laughs>
0: I, <mean, laughs>
2: yeah. I, mean, I mean, reports that reports that people had mini fridges under their desks.
0: Unbelievable.
2: And that everyone was... I now mean, look, don't misunderstand me. I like a drink. Yep. I like to have a good time. I like to party. Uh, and, you know, I've always... You know, given the, the right opportunity, taking younger people out and you take them out for you know bite to eat or a drink in the park, whatever. But you don't drink in the office because if you drink in the office, it's the beginning of total indiscipline. And sadly, Johnson has overseen a culture where those that were making the rules uh, were constantly having get-togethers in direct contravention of what they were telling the rest of the country. And Johnson himself attended some of these events and when he gets caught rather than putting his hands up and saying i'm sorry i have sinned yes because that would be the natural thing to do right yeah well yeah and also our human emotion is we forgive sinners because that's actually part of what our christian heritage is and we all know that we have those sins within us and if, if i'm being honest john I mean, most of us break the lockdown rules. Yeah, you know, I think that's probably right. I
0: mean,
2: I mean you know, was I not going to see my mum for two years? I mean, come on. Exactly. You know? Yeah. You, you know? And I think if he said, look, do you know what, guys? We've been working under huge pressure. You know, it was the biggest health crisis to face the country for 100 years. And I admit, on Thursday and Friday nights, we let off steam and had a drink. And we shouldn't have done, and I apologize but who among you watching or listening to this broadcast, you know, whoever of you is without sin, please cast the first stone. Yes, cast the first stone, right? Yeah. (laughs) Instead of that, Boris says, "Um, it didn't happen. It didn't happen at all. And then when it proved it did happen, oh, well, yes, it did happen, but I thought it was a work event. Yeah. Or no one told me it was, he said the other day, no one told me it was against the rules. Well, hang on, matey. It was his rules, right? (laughs) You were setting the rules. Somebody missed that line, yeah. So, so, so what actually happened in the country is millions of people have said, you know, you told us to behave in in one way, you behaved in another, and the hell with you. And so he really actually, reputationally, this isn't just a, this isn't just a short term upset. This is, I believe, This is a fundamental breakdown of trust. And as such, I think his career is now very time limited.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it's gonna be very interesting to watch that dynamic. Last question, because I think America's in one of those looking glass moments. Most Western foreign policy has been dictated by the last 30, 40 years by the Thatcher-Reagan doctrine of peace through strength. Joe Biden has had these problems, whether it's Afghanistan's withdrawal, which shocked the world, or today having to be rebuked by Ukraine because he suggested in his press conference, "Eh, if the Russians go there, it's just going to be a minor thing. Uh, How does the rest of the world look at America under the Joe Biden presidency?
2: Um, I hesitate to answer that question honestly, because I don't want to give offense to our listeners. And I don't want you to think, because I, I mean, I am, I am the most pro-American Brit you'd ever meet. Right. I mean, I'm almost, mid-Atl- almost mid-Atlantic, <laughs> but I'm going to be frank yep. with you. But I'm going to be, well, yeah, I mean, hey, I was working for American companies 40 years ago. That's so right, my, yeah. My relation, you know, yeah, my relationship with America goes back to the country. But I'm sorry to say that in terms of its presence on the international stage, and what it says as the leader of the free world being taken seriously america right now
0: is no better than a bad joke wow that is a powerful statement there was all this talk he was going to reboot reboot those relations uh, but it seems like allies have a little bit of pepsit with this president they don't know where he's going or whether he even has a plan wow. is that a perspect is that an honest perspective that you hear from other world leaders come
2: on, we're exactly a year on from the inauguration, right? right, right. Remember what he said, America's back! America's back! And he came to the G7 in the west of England back in June. That's right. And they all applauded him and cheered him. They had the high fives going, yeah. Yeah, that nasty man from New York's gone. We've now got this great guy. And, I mean, when you think about it, when you really think about it, and all right, you know, I know if we go back 200 years plus, Uh, the UK and America had some difficulties, but let's sort of move on. You know, I mean, (laughs) frankly, 1812 is forgiven, I think. Um, But, you know, frankly, since 1917, since the First World War, basically, the UK and America have been together. They have. Not every, but virtually every conflict. We've been side by side, including Afghanistan, where, by the way, the proportionate, the proportionate spending of money, yep. giving of troops, deaths, and injuries of troops was an exact proportion to it the size was. of our nations. Yeah. Right, we were there side by side with you guys for 20 years. Nobody wanted it to go on forever, but there had to be the right way and the right moment to leave. And for Biden to unilaterally withdraw the biggest force, the American force, without even referring to your closest allies in the world since 1917. And when the British prime minister calls to have an urgent conversation, not to return that phone call for 30 hours, how on earth could we trust America again? How on earth can NATO, frankly, continue to operate? And is it any wonder, given that situation, and given that collapse of leadership in the free world, that Putin is now taunting us from the borders of the Ukraine.
0: Yeah, the, the two events are related as much as uh, we try to, uh, the media here tries to obscure it. We embolden Putin. And I think there's a pipeline also play into that, the Nord Stream pipeline. We kind of propped up his economy too, didn't we? Well, I mean, here's the funny thing.
2: Don't look at Trump, oh, Trump's a Russian puppet. Yes. And um, blah, blah, blah. Actually, the truth is. It was Mrs. Merkel. It was Mrs. Merkel. It was Germany. It was the European Union. You know, Here's Biden threatening sanctions on Russia if they act. Well, if we put sanctions on Russia, the whole of German industry would close down overnight. So we've literally, we've literally outclassed and outplayed by Putin at every twist and turn of this. He holds all the cards. He does. We, frankly, at the moment,
0: we at the moment
2: have very few.
0: Yeah, such a very powerful point. Nigel, I could talk to you all day, but I know how busy you are. Thank you so much for joining us, today. We're going to get you back on real soon. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after this message. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating Your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, Visit AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news to become a four year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over two million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC dot us forward slash all right folks welcome back from the commercial break as promised a very special guest a man who's making a lot of waves in congress these days joining me right now is congressman austin scott from the great state of georgia congressman welcome to the show
1: hey john thanks for having us
0: it's an honor to have you on so much is going on in your state i want to start i want to go back a little bit to a moment a week ago because i think it might be one of the defining moments of the biden presidency the speech he gave in atlanta saying if you don't agree with the way i want to vote you're all a bunch of racists. What was your take on the president's speech?
1: Well, there's a lot going on in the world, John. I mean, you know, you've got Russia and Ukraine. You've right. got Afghanistan. that They've done everything they can to push out of, out of the news. And uh, obviously we still have a lot of men and women over there the families that fault with, uh, and in some cases the families of people who died with U.S. soldiers. And so he, he's doing anything and everything he can to change the narrative from his failures, both uh, internationally on those issues as well as what's happening at the gas pump and the grocery store with inflation. So he comes to Georgia and he he talks about Georgia voting. And what what he refuses to acknowledge, John, is that in every election up to and until this last one, Georgia has had about three point nine million voters. Right. Going going all the way back to the last Obama election and the last governor's election and and. Trump versus Clinton, we had 3.9 million voters in the state of Georgia. This last election, we had 4.9 million voters.
0: Doesn't sound like suppression to me.
1: No, anything (laughs) but suppression, right? I mean, we've had the largest turnout that we've ever had. We, for the first time ever, uh, a significant, significant percentage of that uh, absentee ballots, mail-in ballots have typically been about 5% of the total vote count. They were about Thirty uh, percent this last year, and Barack Obama, uh, John got eighty-five to eighty-nine thousand, somewhere in that range, of the of the absentee mail-in right. ballots, and Joe Biden got eight hundred and fifty thousand absentee mail-in ballots, and and I absolutely think that that discrepancy that that questions need to be asked, and I think the state legislature and the governor did the right thing in passing a piece of legislation that said, hey, wait a minute. Is just something that doesn't look right with these numbers right and we need to add some integrity to to the absentee ballot process
0: yeah and listen it, it's still incredibly easy to vote in uh georgia it's just going to be harder yep. to cheat that's really the only change that was made do you think most voters look at this and say wait a second we went up a million voters in georgia in the last election we all support uh, voter id 80% of americans say they do this guy's talking about it being jim crow 2.0 do you think biden is just missing his mark that everyday americans are scratching their heads saying he's on that he should be focused on something else
1: yeah they they're they're trying to change the narrative from you know what is happening internationally with with afghanistan what's happening internationally with with uh, russia and the ukraine right and and what has happened with gas and 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 fuel prices uh... and food prices and and there you know we we have our economy still benefiting from the regulatory changes that president trump made uh... the things that he did with operation warp speed right and you know i mean he, he's got a he, he's he's had you know twelve months where he's been able to hang on to what President Trump did, and now you're you're moving past that, and he's not going to be able to. And so he's got to make up something to cry about, and it is, it's elections now. So the vast majority of people want and, and believe that showing an ID is reasonable in our democracy just to make sure that the person is who they say they are when they vote. And I, I don't understand what their objection is to it.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, and and African-American voters, they just had a poll come out in Michigan, 79% African-American voters supportive of it. In fact, they were more supportive than the general populace. Uh, You saw uh, Rasmussen had a poll in the summer, same statistics. This is like wildly popular. Jimmy Carter was arguing for it 15 years ago, and for some reason, Joe Biden seems to be against it. It really is a, a remarkable moment. Now, I want to turn to something that we've been doing a lot here at Just the New Zone, and that is the possibility that there was some illegal harvesting going on in Georgia. The um, Secretary of State says that he's now received credible allegations, which include video footage, a whistleblower, allegedly, and some phone records that might show the pattern. Um, do you think that's a good idea to have that investigation? And has there been suspicions about harvesting in the state before this thing surfaced?
1: Yeah, so, so I was suspicious when I looked at the total vote count. To, to move from th- 3.9 million votes, uh, again, going back over the past decade, all the right. way back through uh, Obama's last election, we, we've we had 3.9 million voters in the state of Georgia. And then this last election, we had 4.9 million voters. That's a significant change to have a, a decade pattern of 3.9 million and to move up uh, a, full, a full million votes over that. So I absolutely think it's reasonable and right. And, and if there is the evidence that is there as – as it looks like there there's got the good chance to be then people need to go to prison for this. Yeah. One other thing, John, let me mention this. You know, David Perdue got put into a runoff by a few thousand votes. So, you think about the difference in the dynamics of the Republicans having the US Senate right now. Right. If they find that fraud, if if they're able to show that there are uh, votes that should have been tossed out, you're talking about the difference in Republicans being in control of the US Senate and Democrats being in control of the yeah. US Senate.
0: Yeah, it's that consequential, right? It's it's that, yeah, it, it really is remarkable. You are part of a growing group, it looks like, of bipartisan lawmakers in Congress that are talking about reforming the Electoral Act. Talk a little bit about what you might like to achieve in, in such a reform.
1: Well, I, I think the main thing we want is open and honest elections. And so we we want to make sure that people aren't voting in multiple states. I, I do believe that has happened. In fact, we know it's happened. There's some people that are going to jail for it right now that voted Republican in multiple states, correct? Right. And so the standard can't be that that one party benefits from election laws and not the other. It needs they need to be they need to be fair and they need to be open and they need to be they need to be accountable. And so our goal in any election law is to have the balance with with both access and integrity. And if you don't have the integrity in in the vote, then people aren't going to respect the vote. And if you don't have access to the vote, then people aren't going to respect the vote. So, so the goal is to find that balance with with both access and integrity. Now, now that said, John, I, I, you know voting constitutionally—that's a state—that's a state issue. Right. So we have to be very careful what we do in Congress because I, I take an oath to the Constitution. Right. And and we have to have respect for that Constitution. There is there is some advantage in having fifty different types of a. Fifty different states that, that handle elections in, in different ways, and we can learn from the ones that have have found that that combination of both access and integrity. But ultimately, it pretty much is a state issue. So, Group Office wants to try to do what we can to make sure people. People respect the vote, but, but we have to respect the Constitution in, in whatever we draft.
0: And in your mind, that means letting the legislature still have the authority to set the rules, but maybe find a way to make the counting a little more uh, trustworthy for people, right? Is that sort of the balancing act?
1: I would say that's right. I mean, we, we've we've got problems right now. I've had people, you know, sit in my house that I've known in many, many years and cry uh, because they no longer trust. Yeah,
0: that's a real know, dynamic
1: the ballots and and look, I mean if if you if you look at what's happening around the world, I mean we we are the pillar of democracy around the world. And and we have had more personal freedom, we have had more economic opportunity and we've had more individual liberties because of being that that pillar of democracy. And so we have to protect that pillar. And and we have to protect it at home before we can expand it abroad. And so I would just say that, you know, I wish President Trump were the president right now. Uh, We wouldn't be dealing with uh, Russia and Ukraine the way we are, Uh, what the Democrats did up here in the the whole Russian hoax investigation. The idea that Vladimir Putin wanted Donald Trump to be the president of the United States is absolutely ridiculous. He wanted anybody but Donald Trump to be the president of the United States. And I can can assure you Vladimir Putin wouldn't be looking at moving into the Ukraine right now if Donald Trump were still the president of the United States.
0: Yeah, that is a, and I I want to turn to that in one second. I just want to wrap up one thing. As you look at the issues that we, we see today, it's, you know, Biden came in with this promise. I'm going to unite the country, but it seems like fear division, racial division are the only tactics and tools he's using is our Americans starting to sour on that approach pretty quickly.
1: Oh, well, absolutely. If you look at the poll numbers that are out there today, I mean, he he's, he's got the lowest poll ratings anybody's ever had and and it's because he hasn't been able to really accomplish anything as president of the United States. And and look, I'm an American. He's my president. I mean, I need the economy to be good. I need national security to be strong. Um, but if you look at what he did in Afghanistan, if you look at his lack of response to, to Russia and the Ukraine, if you look at what's happening to Americans' pocketbooks where uh, they may be making a little more, but they're paying a lot more for their basic necessities, yeah. uh, Americans are very frustrated with – with where our country is right now, he promised to conduct himself in a bipartisan manner, and he's done anything but that. And and honestly, John, people ought to go back and look at the votes that Donald Trump had on budget-related issues and other things, right. where where he had about 75% of the people vote for the major pieces of legislation, both yeah. Democrats and Republicans, uh, that he signed into law. Yeah.
0: That's right. There were lots of big deals, whether it was on clean air, clean water or budgetary things. There were a lot of things that moved through. This president seems to have no real ability to put a bipartisan coalition together. It's, It's fascinating to watch. I want to turn to Russia. I've seen some amazing things in the last couple of days. For instance, leaks to CNN about specific intercepts of what the Russians were going to do. And I'm asking myself, what purpose is it to leak that? Uh, if that is real intelligence why would we leak that and let the enemy have any sense of what we know they're doing how do you quarterback is russia just the ultimate boogeyman do democrats always have a a russia thing going on because it's a distraction or are are we on the brink of a crisis and this president doesn't know how to deal with it
1: no i i think this is real yeah. and when the russians pulled their families out of the embassy right in the ukraine that's an indicator to me yes. that that they actually intend to to do something very serious. If you look at Putin's history, uh, again, 08, he invaded Georgia, 14, he invaded Crimea. He historically has done something during the Olympics. The Olympics are right around the corner. And I, I would tell you that the fact that they have removed the families of their embassy personnel is a very telling thing, John, that I hope people are paying attention to.
0: Yeah, it is a really serious issue. And when you look out now, I mean, there's been some efforts to Bennett, you know, to come in and maybe uh, try to mediate. Putin doesn't isn't seem to show any interest in mediating right now. What levers do we have in that in th- this moment to try to keep him from doing something rash? So,
1: so we should we should have already uh, we should have already passed economic sanctions. Yeah. Uh, we we had sanctioned the Nord Stream two pipeline. Right. They the Biden administration removed it. If you look at what they've done with fuel prices in the United States, that has put more money into the hands of people like Vladimir Putin. We we have, I think, at the whole level of government, State Department, and in the White House, I think, ignored the fact that Vladimir Putin is Vladimir Putin. And you can't negotiate or, or shake hands with this guy and think that he's going to do what he tells you he's going to do. 08, yep. he invaded Georgia. 14, right. he took Crimea. He hasn't given any of those pieces back and he hasn't paid a price for what he did. Yeah. And so the the one thing I do want to point out to people is, uh, and while I say we can and should do a better job of taking care of the environment, if you allow your energy dependency, if you allow your energy dependency to fall into the hands of your enemy, it makes it very, very hard to achieve it again. Yeah. So I'm I'm very worried about what happens with Russia and Krum.
0: Yeah. And you're really I'm worried right. about the beginning of this Biden administration, right, stopping the Trans-Canada pipeline, approving the Russian pipeline through Europe. Uh, that changed the geopolitical leverage we had on Russia, isn't that true?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, look, I mean, uh, what third grader couldn't see that? Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. It's it's it is. It's such a basic thing. And you really are for sanctions. Do you think there's enough sentiment in Congress to approve sanctions? And are you surprised Biden hasn't asked it for them yet?
1: I'm surprised that he hasn't already enacted them. I think that they have to be uh, not just the U- United States. I think that it has to be NATO and ally wide. Yep. And we have to make Putin understand that the cost of taking any territory in the Ukraine is more than it's worth to him. Uh, unfortunately, nobody has made him pay that price. They didn't make him pay it in 08. They didn't make him pay it in 14. And he doesn't think he'll pay it now.
0: Yeah. In fact, he got a reboot uh, when the Obama administration came in. He got a lot of goods from Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And they, he just gathered them up and didn't do anything for the United States. Pretty remarkable. Congressman, it's an honor to have you on this show. You always share a lot of wisdom. I can't wait to get you back on soon.
1: Hey, thanks, John.
0: Thank you, sir. Have a good day. All right. You too. Bye. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day.
3: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. So blessed to have you, so blessed to enjoy your company, your readership on our site. Now, before you go, I always like to point out some of the great partnerships we have. Why? Because these partnerships make available to you the opportunity to check out services and products that are amazing from people who support our mission at just the news and John Solomon reports, and you get a discount, you save money, you get a good deal. That is a good deal, right? I love that. I'm proud of that. And so I try to share as often as possible. Whenever one of our partners is offering something special to our just the news, John Solomon reports family. And today Our good partner that I want to call out and shout out is Annie's Kit Clubs. I love this company. I love its mission. I love its products. We've had them at my house, the Solomon Family House. They have different crafting projects from everybody, from your littlest child to all of us adults looking to do something on our free time, knitting, crocheting, woodworking. Now... They've got a chance. Remember, we're done with the holidays, a new year. We're back to school. We're back to learning and you're sitting at home. It's the winter months. So you're like, what can I do to keep the kids engaged and interested and maybe learning? Well, I'll tell you what, Annie's Kid Clubs has a solution. It's called the Genius Box. I love this name. I want a Genius Box. I'm never going to be a genius, but I want the Genius Box anyways. Here's what it is. Each month you can, when you subscribe to this product, You get your curious kids a new box bursting with three, not one, not two, but three hands-on activities to explore exciting STEM themes, science and technology, education, you know all this. You can design a hovercraft, examine fossils, build robots, so much more. You know what? I got to admit, I know these are for kids, but I think I might have some fun. I might cut in on the nieces and nephews on this one. It's so great. This is a brand new great product. Go check it out at Annie's Kit Club.com. Go to Annie's Kit just news. Check out the Genius Box. Great thing for the kids, the grandkids, nephews, and nieces. Learning that's fun. Engagement for the whole family. Entertaining. Something to show when you're done. Accomplishment. And you're going to be teaching your child in the process. Great products. Great company. Annie's Kit Club. Here's what you do. Use Just News as the code or go to andyskitclubcom slash Just News to check out the incredible Genius Box new product. Your kids, your grandkids, your nephews and nieces. Heck, you might even like it. Go check it out today. All right, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. May God bless you. May God bless this extraordinary country of the United States. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole bunch more news and some more great guests. God bless and good night.